Hello and welcome to this episode, Signs of the Zodiac with Dr. Sandra Voss. Today we hear all about the zodiacal signs, those familiar signs that we associate with the months of our birthday. Astronomy and astrology are two distinctly very different things. So let's see and discover more. Enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Zodiacal Constellations. First and foremost, this is not about astrology. It's about the constellations that appear in a band across the sky which is centered on the path which the sun appears to take over the course of a year as seen from Earth. This path is called the ecliptic and is an imaginary line projected onto the celestial sphere marking Earth's orbital plane around the sun. The celestial, the celestial sphere is all the stars that you see in the night sky. It obviously surrounds the Earth, that's why it's called a sphere, but we only see a part of this sphere from where we are located on Earth. The ecliptic gets its name from the fact that eclipses can occur when the Moon is on this imaginary line. The celestial coordinate system used by astronomers to pinpoint the location of every star, nebula and galaxy uses the ecliptic as its starting point. But what about the constellations? Obviously, we don't see the stars during the day, but they are there. And if we could see them, we would notice that the sun passes through specific constellations. They are in the background behind the sun. The constellations are not just in a thin line like the imaginary line of the ecliptic. They extend above it and below it as they make their patterns in the sky. In fact, they extend about eight degrees above and eight degrees below, forming a band about 16 degrees wide. This band is called the zodiac. <laughs> the word zodiac actually comes from the Greek meaning circle of animals. The boundaries around the constellations defined in 1930 show that there are actually 13 constellations in the zodiac band, not to be confused with the 12 signs of the zodiac in astrology. Constellations of the zodiac and signs of the zodiac have only a very loose association, especially since the dates that the sun passes through a particular zodiac constellation has slowly changed over the centuries because the Earth wobbles on its axis. It doesn't just spin on its axis, it also wobbles a little bit like a gyroscope. This has meant that the zodiac wheel, originally developed by the Babylonians in the mid to first millennium BC, is now different in terms of zodiac constellations. While we are able to see all 13 zodiac constellations at some point during the year, the ones we see in the winter are higher in the sky because the Earth is tilted by 23.5 degrees. And it is tilted towards the Sun in the summer and away from the Sun in the winter. 
So to understand this just a little bit better, think about the sun during the summertime. It's higher in the sky and lower in the sky during the winter. That is the daytime. The nighttime is the opposite. So you get the constellations higher in the winter and lower in the summer along the zodiac. Now I can't dwell in detail on all 13 constellations, but I'll try and mention them all. By the way, the 13th zodiac constellation is called Aphucus, the snake or serpent bearer, and is interestingly flanked on either side by the constellations Serpent's Caput, the head of the snake, and Serpent's Corda, the tail of the snake. I've selected winter constellations first because they're higher in the sky and visible for a longer period of the night. Obviously in the winter, the nights are longer and the summer, the nights are shorter. The ones I've chosen first can easily be found from the very recognisable constellation Orion the Hunter. You need to be looking due south, which makes sense really, as this is where the path of the sun across the sky is located. Winter is a great time to do some stargazing because it gets dark nice and early. Let's start at the end of December, 11pm. Orion is due south. If you want to find him earlier, then he rises over the eastern horizon at about 6pm. This will be different, of course, if you're in a different part of the world from Hurstman Zoo, which is about 51 degrees north. There are three distinct stars that make up the belt of Orion. If you trace an imaginary line from the left-hand star in the belt diagonally up through the other two stars, you should start, come across a lovely orangey-red star that is nice and bright. This star is called Aldebaran and is in the constellation Taurus. That's the first of our zodiac constellations. In mythology, Aldebaran is the glinting red eye of a bull. The horns extend up and to the left of the bull's head and eye, and then up and to the right is a cluster of stars called the Pleiades or the Seven Sisters which are still part of the constellation of Taurus. The name Aldebaran is from the Arabic meaning the follower. It appears to be in another cluster of stars called the Hyades cluster. It's not actually part of that cluster of stars. But it can be seen as a triangle with Aldebaran as one of the points of the triangle. This makes up part of the face of the bull. The Pleiades cluster actually looks a little bit like a swarm of bees hovering over the shoulder of the bull. To get to the next constellation we must remember that the ecliptic forms an arc across the sky. That's the path of the sun across the sky from east to west but what we're going to do we're going to go backwards way we're going to go west to east. So we're going to follow that arc and we're going to go over the top of Orion. 
This constellation is Gemini, the twins. The two prominent stars in this constellation are Castor and Pollux, which are depicted as the heads of the twins. Pollux is a bit brighter than Castor and is pretty much directly below it. And even though they look to our line of sight to be related to each other, Pollux is actually about 20 light years closer to Earth than Castor. In mythology, the twins, or Dioscuri, who surprisingly had different fathers, were part of a group of heroes called the Argonauts, who followed Jason in search of the Golden Fleece. They have been known as to be the patron saints of sailors, and seafarers called upon them for protection in times of danger. They've also been associated with the electrical phenomenon known as St Elmo's fire, seen among the masts and rigging of ships during thunderstorms. And it was thought to be the guiding spirit of the twins, although this does have other associations as well. Moving eastwards along the ecliptic, we come to Cancer and Leo. Cancer is very difficult to find, so let's find Leo first. This is a spring constellation, and what you're looking for is a pattern that looks like a backwards way question mark or a sickle shape. The brightest star in Leo is a star called Regulus, in Latin means prince or little king, which is in essence the dot at the bottom of the backwards way question mark. If you struggle to find Leo along the ecliptic from Gemini, then you can find the really prominent saucepan shape in the constellation Ursa Major. Leo is directly under the saucepan. The backwards way question mark actually depicts the head of a lion. Leo is a huge constellation, and while the body of the lion is not hugely distinct, the second brightest star in the constellation, Denebola, marks the end of the body, or maybe part of the tail, all depends on what image you look at. The mythology of Leo tells the story of the Nemean lion, a fierce beast who descended to earth from the moon in the form of a meteorite to ravage Corinth. And Hercules, you may have heard of him in mythology, he had 12 labours to complete and one of the labours, in fact the first labour of Hercules, was to slay this Nemean lion. So Hercules went to find the lion, bearing in mind that nothing could pierce this lion's skin. No spear or anything. Anyway, Hercules had no trouble finding where the lion lived in his lair and as he approached the lair, the lion flew out at him. So he threw an arrow at him, which bounced off his hide. So what he did, mm, was quite brave was Hercules. He, he actually sealed off one entrance to the lair because it had two entrances. And he went in to the lion's lair in the cave and pursued him in there. 
And because of his strength, Hercules managed to seize the lion and strangle him by pushing his fist down his throat. Oh, that's horrible, isn't it? And then he took the hide of the lion back to King Eurystheus, who, was, who gave him all the labours. And he was so scared when Hercules took the dead lion back that he fled. And because of his prowess, though, the lion was raised into the heavens to be put there with all the other constellations. In between Gemini and Leo is the very indistinct constellation of Cancer. In fact, it is probably the most inconspicuous of all the zodiacal constellations because the stars are not very bright. So you'd be forgiven if you can't find that one. Just have a look on the maps and see if you can locate it. So let's carry on following the arc of the ecliptic from west to east. We've gone through Cancer, we've gone through Leo now, and we come to the second largest of all of the 88 constellations of Virgo. Incidentally, the largest of the constellations is a constellation called Hydra. Again, Virgo is not a very distinct constellation, but the brightest star, Spica, does stand out perfectly well. You will see it in spring and early summer, fairly low on the horizon. There is very little mythology associated with Virgo, um, depicted as a virgin carrying an ear of wheat, and the ear of wheat is where Spica is found. Uh, but one other identity was the goddess of justice holding the scales represented by Libra. And that is the next constellation along the ecliptic. As summer progresses, the zodiacal constellations of Scorpius the Scorpion and Sagittarius the Archer graze the horizon very, very low before Capricornus the sea goat and Aquarius the water bearer bring in the autumn. This is followed by Pisces the fishes, Aries the ram, and then back to the winter constellation with Taurus the bull. Aphucus the 13th uh, constellation, zodiac constellation, lies between Scorpius and Sagittarius. I think I've mentioned all 13 zodiacal constellations. We've done Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpius, Sagittarius, Capricornus, Aquarius, Pisces, Aries, Aries and Aphucus. I hope you managed to find some of these constellations and thank you very much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Signs of the Zodiac. If you'd like to find out more, why not head to www.the-observatory.org. Thank you for listening.